Good afternoon, everyone. BC here once again for the 27, wow, 27 episodes of the BC Mo Life Tech Tuesday. We are here in beautiful Hawthorne, California, at my partner's facility, AEM Electronics. And these guys are fantastic. I've worked with AEM for quite a while. And hello, Vigilante, good seeing you. Hello. Oh, it's so good to see all of you. And thank you so much for joining us. Hello, Ari. Miss you out here. For those of you who have been on this program before, Ari is usually the one helping me out, but she's holding down the fort in Ontario while we're here in the South Bay doing this with AEM. So, Hedy will try her best, and she's right here to pop out and answer or show all your questions. Hello, good to see you. Puerto Rican star, thank you for joining us. Hello, deaf guy from Bakersfield, good seeing you as well. Uh, <laughs> Oh no, Marley. Well, guess what, Marley? We will have this on for the next 24 hours here on Instagram. And for those of you on YouTube, of course you're seeing me, but we have this loaded up on YouTube. And also via iTunes, uh, we have the Be Small podcast, but we'll also share these nice excerpts from this afternoon. And you can also see it on uh, public radio, or radio public, as you say, and also Anchor, which is very, very nice. Hello, Hin. Good seeing you. Thank you for joining us, guys, today for this awesome Peace More Tech Tuesday where you get to ask your questions and I'm here to answer them. And later on, we have this great opportunity where you can win an AEM wide band. Part number 30-0300. 30-0300, you can win today. So, after you answer a very, very nice question. Hello, Super Card, good seeing you. Hello, Kenny, greetings. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us this wonderful afternoon out here at AEM at South Bay. So, I'm in this pretty cool area here where they do a lot of testing. There's a test rig here. There's an engine right next to me. For those of you on Instagram, you can see here they have a little bench, which is fantastic. And later on, I'll be joined by Lawson, who's a great guy, huge enthusiast, and he can tell us some exciting stuff about what's going on here at AEM. So, without further ado, Eddie, let's start off with some of the questions we have today. Sure. What's the first question we have that we can address for our friends all around the world? So we have a guy by the name of at the beard that rules, which is pretty interesting. The beard that rules, okay. He wanted to know if you sold a turbo kit for the 987 Cayman S. Okay, he's asking if he sold a turbo kit for the 987S, and we don't have that kit available yet. I'm a huge advocate of testing and making sure that things are ideal, especially since the current kit is designed for off-road use only. Hello, Aaron from Entmoto. Good seeing you. Thank you for joining us. So that being said, the current kit that I developed utilizes an AM Infinity. We had an opportunity where we have this third-party protocol to use that to be able to still interface with all the CAN protocols for the 987S and also still give you the drivability and awesome track, trackability, I should say, if that's even a proper word, for the twin turbo system. Also, I desire to upgrade the air-to-air -air intercooler to a water or liquid-to-air intercooler, which is a lot more efficient, courtesy of my friends from Turbinetics. So that being said, I need a little bit more time to perfect this kit before launching. So give me about a quarter and I will have it available for you. Thank you so much for the kind words, guys. Um, I do not have much experience with tuning diesels, so I don't have any any insight into that. Um, Melo, I'd love to come to the Week Fest out there in Chicago with you. Let me know what day, and I'll be able to come, come by, by all means. I am great, Paco. Thank you so much for joining us. I can help you with turning your CRZ if you're willing to wait. Um, kindly write to me at sales at bcmall.com, and let me know your timelines and budget, and we'll make it happen. Dell, we're always looking for great people. So by all means, send your resume in, and if you are a good fit for our team, we will 
be more than happy to bring on board. Thank you so much, Leo. You are too kind. I appreciate the kind words. Thank you so much. Wow, so many of you from all around the world. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. I appreciate the kind words. Hello. Hello, Lulu. Okay. Hetty, what are the questions that we have to answer? Awesome. So, uh, Fox Design, etc. Yes. Asked, just curious on updates to your Hot Topic projects. SEMA build, about Hot Wheels, etc. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Okay, so he's asking about the projects we have for SEMA this year. So far, it looks like we're going to have two portions of SEMA, a Viper project, and also something that is very, very interesting. I may bring back the Wango van, new and improved. So at this point right now, we're gathering parts, gathering components, and designing components to make those projects absolutely fantastic. I don't want to give too much away. So that being said, that's all I can share this time. Um, I still have the Viper with me, ATS. It's at the facility. We've done a lot of testing with it, and that has pushed me to want to pick up another Viper and even go crazier with it. So we have quite a bit going on in the whole Viper world. Yes, Joey, the wagon, you never know. Thank you, Fox, so much. And you know, there's something I really want to touch base with you guys with. It's a question I get so much. And it's like, DC, how do you have all these successful projects? How do you have the capability of building these projects that are very, very good and have an opportunity to influence people all around the world? Hello, Sam, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Oh, good to see you, Christian. Thank you so much. Yeah, I had a great time with a Netflix show. Yes, thank you so much, Karen. Karen's excited about the Viper. But one thing I want to share with you that has allowed me to be successful in my endeavors is one word. Patience. Patience is something that whether you are building a project car and you need to make that project car very successful, or you're trying to find the best mate to embark on a life journey with, or even if you're looking for an opportunity to complete your academia and become a productive member of society. Patience is a virtue that can help you achieve those things very well. So by all means, exercise patience. It can do extremely great things for you. Never rush. Whenever you rush, whenever you want to live for today, you take shortcuts and you don't get to your goal properly. So that being said, exercise patience, it is key. It is extremely important to allow you to exceed your expectations. Hello, Dennis. Good seeing you. Hello, Kirk from Boost Lab. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Okay. So, Eddie's giving me the eye. You know, I think she learned from Ariana, that same eye that Ariana gives me, like when there are more questions. That's because I'm Asian. Because she's it's Asian. Natural. Okay, it's natural. <laughs> so she's giving me another, another eye, like I have to answer these questions. So, Eddie, what are the questions that we have? Okay, so, Build Me Sons asks okay. Will powder coating and intercooler lower the cooling capability? He's asking Does powder, account, um, I guess, zoom is an air to air intercooler. Does powder coating and intercooler affect the efficiency? And the answer is yes, it does. Whenever you have an environment or a substance that coats the veins of a heat exchanger, you reduce its efficiency. So for those of you who derive pleasure in maybe hiding your intercooler or making it very incognito, I would advise anodizing. Anodizing is a plating style that allows you to get the color choices you desire without presenting a barrier to heat exchange with an intercooler or radiator. Uh, powder coating is, as the name implies, is a powder substance that coats those veins, is heated to in a kiln to a high temperature, and coats it very nicely, but it, 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 does, it does not heat exchange properly. Now, there are some companies that have specialty powder coats that don't impede heat exchange, but for the standard powder coating, it does, by all means. Um, Hussein is asking, will I make a diesel portion? No, not at this time. I'm not making a diesel portion, no. No, it's not in my, in my repertoire yet, so thank you so much. 
Oh, well, Mark, Anthony, it may be a reality. So hang in there. By all means, I'm around, and hopefully we can interact. Okay. What are questions do we have, Eddie? Perfect. This guy has an interesting one. Basil Design. He said that he saw a triple turbo McLaren. Yes. And he's been wondering how, and is that actually efficient? So the triple turbo McLaren is something that is a tuning company back east that has coined this triple turbo or tri-turbo system, and I believe they patented that design. I haven't been intimate with that. Um, in a perfect world, of course, if you have two small, smaller turbochargers interacting with a single larger, you can have a very nice power band, but they have been very mum on how they do that, how they achieve that. So I'm limited to my exposure to that, so I'm not in the best situation to answer that. By all means, you may be able to give them a call and find out if they're willing to divulge information to you, but I don't have any experience with that system at this time. Um, any deal with the H22, F22 manifolds? I don't quite understand your question. I don't mean a financial deal or if you want to understand what that means. So please rephrase your question. I'll be more than happy to answer, HAR. Thank you so much. Um, is doing an RBC manifold swap on a K24Z7 worth it? Yes, for top end. You do lose some mid-range power with that. But yes, it is worth it if you're shooting for top end power. So if you're doing more drag racing, or you care about high RPMs, then yes, it is worth it. If not, stay with the, 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 the composite manifold that comes from the factory. It is quite efficient. Um, yes, I do consider Dell overseas resumes, and if I cannot place you within our facility, we have many partners, including AEM, that may be able to uh, set up with you, so there's no challenge at all. Hello, Island, Island Soul, thank you so much. Perfect, so CT Racer X. Yes, CT Racer X, Alfie, I don't think Alfie's here. Well, Alfie's asking, are there any false chamber developments occurring for the Porsche 993 and up? Yes, so the Porsche 993 is, has a very different set of manifolds than what you may see with the earlier G bodies. So we do have that in our arsenal to develop, but at this time I don't have it available. So I don't think I'll be able to do anything until probably the fourth quarter of this year, Alfie. So I hope that answers your question properly. And team, please forgive me, we're here at AEM, they're very busy, so you hear noises from time to time. That's what to expect from a facility that's always on top of things. So hang in there, guys. Thank you so much. You want, uh, so Padilla wants me to come to his house party next week. Uh, I'm not a big partying person, but uh, thank you for the invite nonetheless. People are making jest of me over here, which is pretty interesting. Um, so, oh, I'm going to reproduce the exhaust manifold for H22. HOR, I can still design something for you. So that's not a problem. Write to me at sales at bsmo.com and I'll be more than happy. Hello, Angel. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Oh, Eileen, I just shared that a moment ago. A couple of Porsches, uh, Viper, and possibly a recreation of my old school Weigel van. That's why I have plans so far. Uh, Angel Thompson's laughing at uh, the invitation for the party. Yes, Fox, it is noisy and busy like all the city. Absolutely. Okay. Yes, Eddie. Okay, so that one Joe guy. One Joe guy. He's asking, whatever happened to the B series to D series adapter plate? And would it work for the, the real-time four-wheel drive? So he's asking about the B to D adapter plate. Now, years ago, we had developed the first drag racing adapter plate system. And, of course, in normal Honda fashion, we had a lot of knockoffs come to the plate, come to play in that market. But we were first to take an F and H series adapter to a D series gearbox. And then we got demand for a B uh, to do, you know, H engine to a B gearbox, which we did as well, and the other demands for D to B. So what we currently have available still is where you have a D series engine to a B series gearbox. I didn't do much of any development for the opposite for a B engine, but for me to be able to determine or ascertain if an all-wheel drive gearbox would work, 
I have to see the gearbox. And since I've been playing with that, I don't have that answer for you. So please forgive me. Um, give me some time, and if I come across an all-wheel drive gearbox, I'll be able to see if something can be done quite easily. The challenge is that transfer case and how large it is, and the proximity to the engine. That could be a bit of a hindrance. Hello, Spaghetti Cars from Italy. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. All the way in Europe, appreciate that. Thank you so much. And also you, AJ Thompson from the UK as well. Thank you very much. Appreciate that indeed. Okay, what question do you have, Eddie? this if the Chief Rocker was asking. He has an 07 TL with Boltons. It's yes. a J20, J3283. Yes. He wants to know if swapping RL injectors would be beneficial. Or, or can, a, can a simply plug and play or would need a tune? So he's asking would that be something that he should well, just changing injectors won't really help you. What would be ideal is to tune the car properly. Um, so if there are adapters to allow you to use, let's say, an RDX set of injectors, which has an improved spray pattern from what you currently have and the other one you mentioned, then there may be some gains there. But nonetheless, you have to tune using a flash or standalone. So that's something you have to do. Thank you, Art Mori. Appreciate the kind words. You're too kind. Another one was Dell uh, asked on IG Live. He said, yeah. what was one of the big challenges you had to face during your early days? Hello, Michigan. Uh, KG from Michigan. Appreciate you joining us this afternoon. Um, so, challenges from early days. I would say the biggest challenge I had was experimentation, especially since we didn't have products available. Now, I mentioned earlier that I'm here at AEM Electronics, and they have created so many new products. I mean, there was a time they were coming out with almost 20 new products in a year, which is ridiculous. But what that does, it really gives great opportunities for improvement in motorsports, and it makes things easier for us enthusiasts to buy products and be able to improve our vehicles. Now, if you think back to the early 90s, when I first, or mid-90s when I first started, AEM didn't have that. AEM would sell carburetors from Weber, which is really interesting. So it didn't have that opportunity to go on Amazon, didn't exist, go on eBay, didn't exist, go to a store and just buy components and bolt on. So the challenges we had was being able to have products create them and then test with them. And since we had no method of knowing if it would work or not, we had a lot of failures. I've said this in my previous interactions with many of you. At the time, 90%, yes, that high, 90% of the things I did would fail and 10% would succeed, which didn't put me in a position where I was uncomfortable. I, I enjoyed the failures and wanted to learn from it. So it didn't make me give up. I wanted to be able to learn and improve. Now, fast forward to, to today, the opposite is the case. A high percentage of the things we try work very well, and a small percentage fail, because we have so much experience now. So that being said, that was some of the challenges we had earlier on. So Hedy, what questions, other questions do we have that people sent in? AJ Thompson. Yes, AJ, every year. Just like a Subaru H4, yes. the use of unequal length headers in a single turbo setup improved the sound of the engine on a Porsche H6. And how would you use the use of unequal headers to increase the chance of detonation? To decrease or increase? Or how does I'm it sorry, increase? sorry, increase the chance of detonation. Okay, that's a great question, AJ. So, yes, when the pulses are the same, emanating from an engine, being that an equal length, you can have that strange... I don't call it tractor sound, but that same strength sound. By changing the lens, um, especially from bank to bank, you have an opportunity where you can change the sound. Now, improving is, how should I say, it depends on the ears of the beholder. 
So for some people, an improvement may be like, oh, it sounds worse, but it does change it. In terms of detonation, absolutely. Especially if you give this, both banks the same amount of fuel. So you can imagine if you have a longer tube header on one side and a shorter tube on the other bank, and they're unequal, if you assign the same amount of fuel for both banks, you can have a leaner mixture on the longer bank. Because that longer bank at a certain RPM will demand a lot more fuel than you supply. And you know how that manifests itself? In detonation. So what I tend to do, I'm a huge advocate of using engine management controls that allow me to do individual cylinder tuning. And even if you don't have access to individual EGTs or, or Y-bands for each cylinder, using something, let us say, I mean, just out of convenience, an AM infinity, you can define and obtain and see knock per cylinder based upon the firing order and the windows that are captured by the device itself. So the engine management based upon windows can determine which cylinder is knocking and then you can add fuel and retard time accordingly per cylinder based upon load and that can place detonation at bay. So I hope that puts your mind at ease and answers your question properly. Oh, Kevin is asking, hi Heather, hi Heather. Kevin is asking, and Eddie says, what's up Chris? What's up, they have this crazy thing going on here. Um, oh, that's it, Alan So has a question. It says, what advice would I have for someone who decides to generate revenue using their hobby? Which is so interesting, because Heather and I were talking about this yesterday. Yes. Passion, dedication, persistence. And what I mentioned earlier on, patience. We are in a great environment. You know how great the time we live in now is? It's fantastic. Years ago, our grandparents, our parents, when they left work at 5 p.m. and went home, that's it. They didn't have the opportunity to do anything more. But you have the capability. After your long day at work, you have hours before you retire to try something on the side, to play around with things, to become enterprising. So, one thing about the hobbies that we always you know, experience with motorsports and love so much, is it can generate great revenue for us. But it takes time, persistence, and patience to really do a great job with it. Pursue your dreams. Customer service is extremely important. Partnering with great companies and selling great products is also very important. And also keep an open mind to things that come into the scene. Motorsports is great because we continue to see advancements quickly. And some are great and some are not so great. But have an open mind experiment with them and you will find great opportunities. So, my advice to you in a nutshell, take advantage of the free time you have, take advantage of the internet, above and beyond that, have the patience and persistence to succeed, and you will, by far. I have done a great job in creating a wonderful life, turning my hobby into a career, and you can do the same thing even better, because you have more opportunities now than I had when I started out. I wish I had this opportunity to get this advice when I was younger. It's absolutely fantastic. Okay. How are we doing questions, Perfect. Heather? Perfect. We still have a lot more. Okay. Uh, a lot more questions, he says. So AJ let's get to them. AJ Thompson has another question. Okay. Said, AJ? Can you explain a question that has been asked on the internet for ages? Okay. Is boost pressure actually a measurement of restriction or not? Forms all seem to have different answers. In layman's terms, yes. Boost pressure is a measurement of resistance. So in other words, if you have an infinite vacuum and you dump a bunch of mass flow rate of air into it, you will not see boost. The only way you will see boost pressure to measure is if it comes across a restriction that bottles it up, for lack of a better phrase, I'm trying to make this very layman, 
and then that flow rate is translated back into a pressure. So answer is yes. It's layman, but it is correct. It's a correct assumption. Yes, it is a measurement of restriction. So I hope that, that answers your question. Thank you, Aircode Life. Andre, thanks so much for the kind words on the fastest car. We enjoy filming that significantly. Okay. This yes, is a very tricky one. AJ always has the trickiest questions. No he goes, How do you determine the perfect exhaust and tire diameter for any given application, be it a 200 horsepower circuit car or a 1,000 horsepower drive car? So with exhaust system technology, when we first, once again, this advantage I had for experimenting years ago, I started seeing correlations with RPM, displacement, and desired power range. So that being said, I was able to develop an algorithm that correlates those things to that engine or to internal combustion engines. So I have an internal algorithm that allows me to size properly and it's really stayed true to the science. In terms of tire size, it depends on what my goal is. High speed, drag racing, so on and so forth, but I tend to use gear calculators to determine that. And the only way you can optimize that is, of course, tune the car on the dyno, look at where the power band is, and optimize your tire size and gearing to take full advantage of that. You can imagine, if you have an engine that has a 3,000 uh, 3, RPM power band, you would not want to build or set up your gearing to where you fall out of that when experiencing that acceleration event. So, they all go hand in hand. I hope that answers your question properly, sir. Yes, KJ Demand says, I love motorsport and driving beautiful cars, but I have no idea how to tune cars. I like to modify my 2012 VW. Do I have a partnerships in Michigan? Now, the only partnerships I have in Michigan are with some of the guys from Big 3, especially with FCA, but I do not have any partnerships with tuning shops in Michigan. One great opportunity, and I encourage people to explore this, is my friend Brent Strader, who has EFI 101. By all means, reach out to him. His course is amazing. It has everything from the elementary to intermediate to expert level, and it does encompass the basics of the So forgive me, guys. But he does explore the basics of tuning and can help you whether it's just choosing the right part for your build and for customers, or having the opportunity to learn how to optimize ignition timing, cap timing, and air balls. So by all means. If I want one, that's where I'll put it. So, AJ said, are there any differences between a 2JZGTWBTU and a CDBTIS? Head flow, valve design, which one is that? Okay, so I was asking for the variable timing mission. Oh, you still hear me, that's good. You still hear me, that's good. So, with the variable timing, he's asking what's superior, the BBTI for the GTE or GE, for the turbo or non turbo? I haven't tested both. So, you guys know I'm the kind of person that if I have the answers, it's my experience and knowledge, I will share. But I'm not the kind of guy to make something up. If I do not know it, I will share that. So, I don't have the answer to that question. If I had to use an educated guess, I would think the GE would be superior because most manufacturers tend to have a higher port volume in their NA setups than their turbines. But I don't have a definite answer for that. about the 4G63 engine, and that's a Mitsubishi setup. 
I have been fortunate enough to work with the, with the guys from FCA, not FCA, but uh, guys from HNA. So in Hyundai, they had a partnership with Mitsubishi that goes as far back as the early 2000s. And their, their engines, I believe it's the uh, Theta engine, are a derivation of the 4G63. And you know what I love about that? The four volumes are awesome. It's like a large rectangular port for each runner. It's beautiful, so the potential is there. And there's so much automotive support for it. And the head is kind of robust. You have to do something really silly to crack it. So that being said, I find those heads very appealing for both NA and boost application. They flow very well. The exhaust, on the other hand, is quite restrictive. So you have to do quite a bit of surgery to be able to optimize that. It's really good. But nonetheless, I love those engines. I think they're fantastic. So, as Get Body Right said, can the K20, K24 run the mile instead of the quarter mile? Oh. Why do Honda and Accuracious only do the quarter mile? Is it something with the engine? So, who's asking, can the K series, most of the engines, be used for more than a quarter mile? Can it be used for half mile racing? And why is it that most people tend to opt for a quarter mile? I've raced with Hondas for a long time, and unfortunately, um, and some of you forgive me for this phrase, but it's more of a monkey see, monkey do environment, which means that as half mile racing becomes more popular, more and more Honda enthusiasts would do it. But right now, the hot thing, it's been the hot thing for quite a few decades, is drag racing, and a lot of road racing, of course. But the half mile stuff, Hondas are well suited for them. The one thing that half mile guys have to pay attention to more than many of us like to see, is gearing. And it also is a great testament to building capabilities and tuning. So when you have a quarter mile, you can get away with a little bit, but when you're doing a half mile, you are on the track for a much more extended period of time. So your tune has to be on it. And it's extremely important to have a very good engine management solution, very good lubricants in your engine. Make sure that you do what is right for it. And it can happen, but it's a, it's a great experience. To do a rolling start, which is easy on gearboxes, by the way, I feel is where we need to go. And you're going to see a lot more of it. Um, there's some guys out there already doing great things with Integras, and you will see more and more enthusiasts going that way. It's a matter of time. So at Hyde Coast, and what is the <laughs> That's true, AJ. Oh, AJ's sorry. Thank you, AJ. That's very true. Um, today, what did I drive? Nothing really exciting, but something I appreciate because of technology. I drove a 2017 Ionic, which is a Hyundai's hybrid that answered to the Toyota Prius. Which is, and, but mine is, of course, modified. But that's why I drove today. Okay. Yes. So, Hyde underscore Co. Hi, Co. He said, what is the primary purpose of using a sleeve kit for a Honda aluminum block? Oh. Uh, he's asking the purpose of sleeving Honda blocks. So, this is a concept that's near and dear to my heart. Years ago, once again, as we were in the genesis of Honda performance in the 90s, we noticed that when we started putting a lot more nitrous, turbocharging, even the high compression setups, we would fracture the sleeve of the block, especially on the top, where there are high-pressure regions. I met a gentleman, a very clever man, who worked at a shop known as Benson in Santa Ana, um, the late Mike Hoptree. And we hit it very nicely, and he always bought out the box. And to the chagrin of his boss, he wanted to help us solve this problem by sleeving block. So he sleeved the very first on the block. Of course, we had a lot of learning with water going around the jackets and then using JBU on the bottom to seal that. And there's so many iterations, but it solved our problem. Removing the 
impregnated steel from factory that's very thin, surrounded by an aluminum matrix, remove that whole thing, and then impressing ductile iron sleeves that were sometimes buttressed, sometimes left open, solved that problem. So the problem was cracking sleeves, the solution was sleeving those, and we saw tons of success with that. And that has translated to what many of us see today with many companies out there. Legal, Darden, there's so many companies out there that offer these services, but it started here in Southern California. That's why I love, this place is really the bed of creativity when it comes to Honda Tony. And with other marquees as well, which is really exciting. So that was that, that's why it's really near to my heart. I was lucky enough to be part of that creative process, which is really exciting. So the final question, um Leo Bagunas? Leo! I think you're here, Leo. Good to see you again. This is a really interesting one. Okay, here's an interesting question. Said, what's the difference between Chevron versus a generic fuel like Arco? Okay, like so it's asking about the difference between Chevron and Arco. Now, that's a great question because I remember vividly during my baccalaureate uh, final year um, as a chemical engineer, I had the opportunity to have internships in mobile and Arco. And I can tell you one thing, most of the base fuels are the same. It's the additive package that makes them different. Hello, Carlos, good seeing you, thank you so much. The additive package. So at the time, when I had my internship, I noticed that the Arco additive package wasn't as superior as the one you mentioned or mobile. Nowadays, I'm sure that's improved because I've had some experience with those as well. But by all means, the added package makes the biggest difference. And Chevron's added package is really, really, really good. And have great job in cleanliness, especially when it comes to your intake valves, so on and so forth. The anti-knock agents are very superior, very superb as well. And I find that very, very, very impressive. So that being said, that has been my experience with that. So I hope that helps answer your questions properly. Oh, hello, Cindy. Good seeing you. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Thank you so much. Can the same be said for additive packages in oil? Well, the um, is asking about is oil the same vein. It's a little different because with oils, you have different bases. So you have, what you may see, it's very popular nowadays in, in the modern times when it comes to performance, uh, group three, group four, and group five oils. So you have the group threes, which are really hydro-cracked. Um, oh, the audio went funny. Okay, so... Let's see, I may have to go out and come back in if possible. So hold on guys, I believe my audio went, went bad, so I'm gonna go out. How's the audio right now guys? Is it still good or is it very bad? Hello, good seeing you sir. Oh, we can hear you, okay good, you can hear me. Okay, no problem, you're all the way in the UK, that's why, AJ. Audio's fine now, perfect, beautiful, because I was gonna log up and come back in. Okay, so back to oil. The base oils are what make the difference, the base itself. You have group threes, which are really hydrocracked mineral oils. So, you know those popular ones, I think mobile one? It's not really a true synthetic. They are hydrocracked mineral oils that act more like a synthetic. They're not true synthetics. They have group four and group five oils, which, you know, they the olefins and PAOs. So, those oils have better chemical and heat resilience. They're true synthetics, so they're not based out of organic mineral oils and have much more capabilities. As many of you know, I mean, I'm wearing the hat today. Um, I love Purell because it's a combination of group four and group five, so you have both the advantages of the heat resilience, um, longer change intervals, and chemical resilience. 
And then the additive package is really differentiated with the zinc, the phosphorus, and some other anti-sludge agents, which makes it absolutely fantastic. So you're saying I would not recommend that for turbo cars and this oils. I would recommend really the Purell synthetic, um, especially from the base oils and added package is absolutely fantastic, which is great. So that being said, let's see. I had a call coming, but we'll keep going. Oh, your internet is really bad. Yeah, I can see that. So what I have done, I've done quite a few tests. I've done tests from 6,000 to 13,000 miles. And when I drained the Purell at the 13,000 mile mark, it was still very good, but the challenge is the filtration. Most filters, I mean, all filter designs are like this for oil. If it fills up and becomes completely contaminated, it bypasses. And you don't want to bypass oil coursing through the veins of your engine. So because of that, and most people wouldn't have the discipline to just change the filters, I would recommend about a six to 7,000 mile oil change with a new filter, and you'll be fine. So gone are the days when you have to do a 3,000 mile change. I'm a huge advocate of a six to 7,000 mile mark, which is very good no matter what your driving style is, which is really nice. Um, so for an already advanced engineer, wow, that's a great question. If you're already advanced, I have not come across books in force induction that can do a very, very good job. There was an internal combustion text, but it didn't go into current advancements in turbo aerodynamics. So here's what I recommend. I would recommend an internship at a proper turbo manufacturing facility. Um, Turbonetics, they accept interns from time to time, Precision, or Warner. These are companies that would be more than happy to take engineering terms. That would be your best bet to get on current technology when it comes to turbocharging. Um, I've had experience with current day frames as well, both factory and current day. The older frames, yeah, may have been a little suspicious, but their technology today, Ally Signal frame, their today filters are actually very, very good. Okay, sorry about that, guys. Sorry about that. Ah, so benefits of water met injection over race fuels, what Cindy asked. Oh, there are so many benefits. It's amazing. Hopefully you guys can still hear me because I was getting some interruption here. So I'm a huge advocate of water methanol kits. And if you guys remember my crazy blue Porsche with the twin turbos hanging out the back, the first one I ever built, that runs on 91 octane. And I have two nozzles with an AEM water methanol kit. So what is great about that is it allows me to run regular pump 91, which is very cost effective, and still have the anti-knock properties and protection that I desire. And nowhere near the price of race fuel, which is really great. And guess what? You only use it when you need it. Thank you so much for the kind words, Dell. I have a boost reference to whereby when I get to a certain boost threshold, the water methanol comes on, and it doesn't dump in, it has a nice gradient where it starts off small and goes up to the full amount of cc's to enter my engine. And since the mist is so fine atomized, these nozzles are so superior, it follows the pathway of the air and I have great distribution to my cylinders. So I eat my kick and have it too. I can run regular 91 without having to worry to look for gallons or drums or a place with proper, proper fuel or stay consistent with a certain brand. I can just add a 50-50 mix of proper grade methanol 
and DNI's water, and I am good, and it's awesome. And you know what? People ask me, you know, for some of the, let's say, street-faring vehicles that we have, how long can it last? I go a whole month without having any challenges. And my vehicle is pre-emissions, uh, so I'm good there, which is really nice. In my opinion, AEM does. And you know why I like the AEM kit? Not only does it give me a nice gradient from a small to a high CC gradient, it also has a fail-safe. Yes, if there's ever a challenge with the system where the pump is failing or something happens or you have a clog, it can send a signal to my ECU and it can do a boost cut for me. I'm a huge advocate of fail-safes, by all means. Um, so what I did, AJ Thompson, on 91 with water methanol, I got to four figures and I shut down my diet. Um, without, I would say, without, on 91 alone, I don't know, too many variables. Compression ratio, turbo size, engine type, too many variables get us 91 alone. But water methanol, I got the four figures with no challenge whatsoever. My perfect streetcar. Perfect streetcar, Dale? That's a good question. <laughs> Many of you may not like the answer, but it'll probably be a high performance EV with a backup petrol engine. So I won't have to worry about any range anxiety. And that would be ideal. Hello, Piyama Vada. Get Body Right was, he had asked about the K20 oh. setup, and he was asking if we would answer his question already. Right? So which K20? Said, which K20 he was asking, can it run a mile instead of a quarter mile? Oh yeah, I answered that early on. So um, I asked that, so what you would do is, I'll have this session up later on for 24 hours here on Instagram, and then I'll be on YouTube indefinitely. You can also listen to this via podcast on iTunes, look for Bisimoto, on Radio Public, or even Anchor. And you will have that no problem. So I did answer your question properly, no problem whatsoever. So guys, I'm going to bring someone on board here, okay? He's a great guy. He is an integral part of success here at AEM. And he's going to talk about some really cool, exciting stuff. So why don't you join me, Lawson? Join me over here. Forgive the screen, someone called in so they uh, misbehave, but we're still, we're still active. So guys, this is Lawson Malika, good to see you sir, how are you? So Lawson, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do here, and what's in store for us here? Uh, my name is Lawson Malika, I'm the Director of Marketing and PR for AM Performance Electronics. I've actually known this guy for a long time. Uh, we go back to the late 90s, Battle of the Import Days. When yeah, that's his, true. Uh, uh, yeah, the carbureted D-Series drag car. Um, which also has a has a bit of history with, with AEM Electronics and our founder uh, and uh, chief engineer John Concialdi. So um, that's what I do here. I basically uh, am the guy that tries to convert engineering into English and, and take the technical elements of what we make and um, make it so that uh, everybody understands why we made it, what it can do to help you go faster and set some records and win and. and uh, and we turn to the experts like BC here to make sure that uh, if you can't install it yourself, that you've got a qualified professional to get it on right and make sure it works for you and uh, helps you do what you want to do in the car. That's good. So what, what's on the horizon? What's, what's exciting now and what's to come? Uh, well, i got a couple things I'll show you. And um, one we just released, in case anybody hasn't seen it yet, um, we launched our CD5 carbon digital display. So our CD5 is uh, a smaller version of our CD7 digital display that we launched last year. 
It's also made out of a carbon fiber composite enclosure, so it's incredibly strong and very, very lightweight. Can you go grab it? So he's going to grab something really exciting. Um, yes, I am the guy from the fast. No, he doesn't. He's a, he looks like uh, um, Eric from Always Evolving. Oh, yeah, actually, you do. <laughs> Is that a good thing? Or That's a great thing. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. You're absolutely correct. Okay. All right, so this is our CD5. So Supercard says, all I run is AEM thanks to BC. So thank you so much for... Well, thank you. <laughs> for support. That's, yeah, okay. that's awesome. So um, for anybody that hasn't seen these yet, this is, a, again, it's a full carbon fiber composite enclosure. Very, very strong, super-duper lightweight. We did a couple things differently. Our CD7s are a billet enclosure, and we package them. Uh, they're available with or without uh, onboard data logging, and they also are packaged with our vehicle dynamics module. Now, the VDM is really cool because it gives you GPS, also gives you a uh, gyroscope and an accelerometer. So it gives you roll, pitch, yaw, all of your G loads, uh, lateral, vertical, every single way, and uh, and then that all comes in via the CAN bus network, which we get to the right set of wiring here. Is uh, thank you, which is on our harness here. So it's everything that comes into our dashes comes in via CAN bus, um, not just AM CAN bus though. We designed this dash, both of our dashes, with an open architecture. And what that means is, if you have a Honda ECU, you're running a Haltech. Your domestic guy, you're running a Holly, a Fast, a Big Stuff three Gen four. Um, essentially, anything that outputs a CAN bus signal. You can put it in your dash through a one-plug connection. We give you two independent CAN channels. One's configured uh, for AEM net, but you can reconfigure it. And then we give you what we call the CAN 2. Um, that's for any third-party CAN bus device. So you can add uh, CAN bus via two channels, blend them all together, log up to 800 channels, display whatever you want, however you want on the dash. It's, it's Pretty amazing piece, and it's I, honestly I could talk about it for hours. Oh, so Jeremiah, yes, I will definitely make sure you get one of those, no problem. And we had a question come in where they were asking, does this or any of the AM devices are they Bluetooth capable? At not this time? Bluetooth capable. Okay. Is that something that will happen in the future, or is that something that's not as important? It's not on the table right now, okay. really. Um, the the bulk of our time, uh, in addition to the product development yeah. side of getting this ready to go has been validating third-party applications. Okay. So we're not just saying, yeah, we tested it to work with it, but we're also developing templates. So if you have well a third-party ECU, uh, you can go actually into the library, choose a series of layouts, which is four main pages. So it's almost like having four dashes in one. That doesn't include the startup screen, which is programmable. Who's hearts? Are you getting tons of hearts here? Oh my God. <laughs> I need to give him yeah, asking what's the uh, asking price for this uh, base model this? starts at nine ninety nine. Not bad. And again, fully configurable. Use our templates. If you don't like the layouts we made, make your own. You can put whatever you want wherever you want. The seven LEDs up here are uh, you can't change the colors. They're fixed colors, but they are. Uh, you can program them uh, to send and, and flash for whenever your RPM range is, and you can adjust brightness. Uh, we also supply on both of our dashes two additional LEDs, but we didn't go crazy with the LEDs. And the reason that we did that was because you can put text warnings on the display. Yes. So if you have, um, essentially, if you have limitations set up in your ECU and you wanted to tell you if your fuel pressure is 
hitting a certain point or your oil pressure is dropping to a certain point, it'll give you a warning. We also added a dedicated alarm page, and that's kind of what we call the oh crap page here. <laughs> uh, when that thing flashes, it latches, and then it tells you what the problem is, and you physically have to hit the button to clear that page. So it's basically telling you, you told me to tell you this is happening, and it's happening, so you need to make a decision. Shut it down, or rebuild me later. <laughs> and, uh, so um, what Aaron from Edmodo, he said, Aaron, what's he going said, on? hello, that they dash rocks, that he loves it. Hello, peace and hello. Cigars of PRI. Sounds <laughs> good. And Agent Tony from the UK says that 999 is a lot less than others out there for sale. Yeah, so yeah. It's very possible. You get a lot for that price. That's kind of our philosophy. Um, fully loaded. The CD5 also has uh, BC in his hand has a, a 10 hertz GPS module that's integrated into it. You can CAN bus in a BDM if you want the accelerometer and everything. But if you just want the GPS to do lap timing and track mapping. You just add it right here, nice. put the antenna on top of the car, Very configure convenient. it, and, and go off to the racetrack. And what material is this again? It's a carbon fiber composite, so it's nice. low-molded carbon fiber, which is, is kind of cool. And I don't want to overly geek out on it, but um, the neat thing about it was because it's a flow-molded um, process, we were able to really strengthen these ribs nice. and some of these areas for added rigidity, stability, and durability, so it can take some lumps and it isn't going to crack on you. And this is the CD5? This is the CD5. Okay. I don't know if we can, I can try at the end maybe to whip this bench around. We have our CD7 on, and that'll give you a good idea of, of the size difference. But the CD5 is CAN-5 inch diagonal, 480 by 800 resolution. Nice. The CD7 would be the 7 inch diagonal, again, 480 uh, by 800 resolution. Uh, both really high resolution, high contrast, Direct sunlight readable. That was that was a big deal. Oh, that's deal. very important. Yeah, Especially, I mean, in California, we raise a lot. It's really sunny. That's very important. Think about it. I mean, how many? We got four engineers that got the Bonneville. Understood. Oh, yeah. One of the things that drove them crazy right. is they could never see the digital data. Understood. <laughs> that was a requirement. Hello, CRB. Hello, Cloud. Hello, Jeff. Thank you so much. I, I'm going to rely on BC to <laughs> say hi to everybody and ask <laughs> questions because my eyes aren't good enough to no, see that far away. So this list says, um, so G6. Says that's a nice component. How long does it take to develop something like that, and how many people are involved to develop something like this? Oh my gosh! Um, well, our, our our director of product development took the lead on this, so he uh, was a lead guy. And then at any given time, we had three to four more engineers wow. that were working on various parts of this uh, of this project, and then occasionally would be up to seven, depending on where we were at developmentally. But, um, you know, going back to the thing about Bluetooth enabled and stuff, I'm sure yes. at some point in the future we'll explore those options. But um, really what we want to do is make sure it works for everybody, not just a, people who are running AEM products. Right. Uh, the other side of it is uh, we want to be able to update our products. Because as you know, with CAN bus or anything, oh, anytime you add a new device or yes. something, you've got to go back to all of your other devices absolutely. and program Very them true. to accept those. So anytime we make an update to this, we have to go back into our products, we have to update on that. There's a lot of work that's involved behind the scenes, and, and uh, we want to make sure that we're supporting all of our customers, not just uh, and I see Super Card says AM for the win, so thank you very much for that. Thank you. And then Kevin is asking how much for the larger CD7 unit? CD7 starts at $12.99 for the base unit. You're all in with logging and the vehicle dynamics module, which is again GPS, gyroscope, and accelerometer for $19.99. Uh, the, the logging version of the CD5 carbon 
with a GPS module is, I want to say, 1599 okay. Yeah, we have to be right around $1,699. So very, very affordable dashes. And again, full flexibility, full capability. Whatever you want to do with it, the sky's the limit. If you're a designer and if you have design skills, um, you could literally put whatever you want on this. It's really, really cool. It's really cool. When I when I have my vehicle come on, I have that center seat portion that I showed you guys this morning to introduce this wonderful session. When I turn mine on, I have a splash screen that shows my blue Porsche. And you know what's cool? When I hit my push the pass button, this crazy warning comes up and it says danger to manifold, which is so awesome. It's so cool. So there's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek humor there, but it's, it's really, really good. So thank you so much. Well, yes, absolutely. I do have that. Thank you so much, Hedy. Um, I do have those in stock, and I'll be more than happy to help you out. Um, does the... You know, this gentleman is asking, does the CD7 or CD5 come with mounting hardware? It comes, Great question, guys, by the way. Very, very good question. Yes, we supply... Uh, soft mounts, so it's, it'll be able to vibrate a little bit and it's not going to shake the screen, uh, especially if you're in a tightly wound race car. Uh, but as far as the actual bracketry, we, we leave that up to you to mount. There's, uh, as you can attest to, there's, there's so many options for mounting. So for us to try to make a one-size-fits-all, we probably wouldn't sell it to anyone. Uh, what's really cool, though, is we've got a lot of specialists out there uh, either vehicle type specialists or guys who integrate electronics and every day I'm seeing new different types of mounts either universal or specific applications uh, for our CD5 and our CD7 dashes. Excellent. So as you see, oh, our time is getting up. We have a red time slot thing going on. Oh. Okay. So guys, thank you so much. But you know, Lawson was kind enough to offer, as I mentioned earlier in our session and he gave a hint earlier today as well, no, you don't want to Velcro it. Hey, before we go, can <laughs> yeah. I just get one sure, minute? Sure, I want to give your audience sure. an exclusive on a product that okay. we're going to be releasing. I like this one. So you, guys, hey, you guys tuned in and took the time to come and, and listen to me talk, and I understand why you want to listen to him. Uh, let me show you something that we're going to drop next week. It's really cool. Oh, so you guys need to get the first look at something really, really exciting from AEM, so he's grabbing it right now. There are more hearts coming up, it's awesome. Okay. I've never had these many hearts ever. So, okay. so we, had, uh, we had some people get a little upset with us when we discontinued our four-channel K-type thermocouple yeah. EGT okay. system, right? Yes. Uh, there's a reason that we did that. Um, again, just like we released the X-Series wideband, okay. which we pioneered the wideband gauge back in like 2001, um, that's the category we created, so we had to make the best, and we did that a couple of years ago. We had patented digital technology, Cephasis, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, the EGT sensor was a sore subject for a lot of our tuners because, as you know, as a tuner, um, having access to EGTs is, is critical. For We're just talking about that a moment ago. Exactly. So the reason Ooh. is we are releasing our eight-channel K-type can module. Oh my God! So obviously, I'm sure a lot of guys are going to use this for. For EGT, but it is a K-type thermal I didn't know about this. module. I'm here every week. I didn't know about it. So uh, this is not the, the K-type sensor that will sell with it because obviously it's a generic one with a D-ring connector. The specific kits for these will will have you know 10 foot length of wire and will have the proper plugs or the connectors so that you can connect to this. Initially, this will be available 
with our dash. So it will integrate with our digital dash nice. which is our software that I'm we're sorry. updating the most I'm recently, sorry. but then we'll backfill it for our series to ECUs and our wow. ECU as well. But this thing is again, it's going from having you know four analogs or eight if okay. you have to add two modules right. together and chewing up all of those inputs on a standalone right. ECU or a logger or something like that or even a logging dash to now having a one plug AM net CAN bus connection that you snap it in and you wow. connect it to the daisy chain on your AM net CAN bus you don't chew up any additional inputs. That is fantastic. And you got up to eight each yeah. so or, or K-pipe thermocouple. You give you a four finger inline six flat six and V8 Inline eight, whatever. That's a lot. and you only use it and I am low, and it's very fast, which is amazing. Yeah. That's crazy. It's like holy crap. <laughs> so thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys. And Lawson, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. And Lawson was kind of once again to provide. He just said he needs it ASAP. Done. We'll ship the UK. No problem. Yes. Yeah, so we'll have it out next week at the latest. To what we promised, Lawson was kind of to provide us an X gauge wide band for one of you. So I'm going to ask a question, and the first person to answer this right will win. Is it is that a zero three hundred unit? Oh no no X series wideband. So oh, full okay. lambda gauge, yeah. Full lambda gauge. Okay, so here's a question. Lawson was kind enough to interact with us this afternoon with the CD five. Very nice display unit. What is the material on the outside of that particular dash made up? What material? First person to ask that question, the material in the CD5 will win the wide dash. It's Jeopardy 2. Yes, there you go. So who's the first one? Let's see. Tyron got it first. Tyron got it. Tyron. So Tyron. Good reaction time. Yeah, excellent reaction time. So Tyron 2689, write to me at sales at bcmo.com. And we will have that for you. Okay, so thank you so much. So guys, once again, thank you very much for being part of this 27th edition of the VC Motor Tech Tuesday. I will post this up right now so you can see it live for the next 24 hours on Instagram. And then I'll follow up with you guys on YouTube. And you can also listen to the podcast on iTunes, the VC Moto, also Radio Public, and Anchor. Take care, guys. Stay tuned. And see you soon. Cheers. Or 84.